It's official. One Shining Podcast is back, and I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as March Madness begins, we're covering everything from Selection Sunday all the way to the championship and beyond. We're going to have great guests that are coming through on the show. And look, if you're a friend of the program and you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. OSP is back. It's going to be right back in your feed. And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition, a super fired up Monday edition of New York, New York, where yours truly, J.J. Johnson Stremski, and I'm delirious. I don't know how to explain that New York Knickerbockers are the toast of the town. There's a fever, baby. You walk around the streets of New York. I'm walking around the golf course today. I can't wait to watch the Nick game. I can't wait to watch the Nick game. I can't wait to watch the Nick game. And you know how many people I told today? I said it to my barista at Starbucks. I said it to somebody on the golf course today. I said, I don't like the Knicks' chances. I don't do this because I am a diehard True Blue Nick fan. I don't bet against my own team unless they're tanking. I have a story on that that I'll share at a later date. Not with one of my main teams. One of the teams down the pecking order, I bet against them. They blew up in my face. I would never do it again. I was disgusted. Be that as it may, I was telling everybody, Knicks are going to get smoked tonight. Celtics off that terrible neck game the other night. Celtics who lost to the Knicks at Madison Square Garden on Monday. They're going to smoke the Knicks. Then I get the Brunson notification. Oh, there's no way in the world the Knicks are going to go to Boston for the second time this year and take down the Celtics. Well, you know what? Shame on me. Shame on me. This Nick team has chutzpah. This Nick team has cojones. And you know where it starts? With 
John Calipari's former guard, who he nicknamed Big Balls, Emmanuel Quickly. What a performance tonight in Boston. And he basically set the tone in this game immediately. And you don't like to make much in a four-quarter NBA game with all the ebbs and flows, with all the twists and turns about the opening possession of the game. But quickly, right out of the gate, banging a three, it was like, okay, Jalen Brunson's not here. The Knicks are coming to play. The Knicks mean business. The Knicks fall behind by 13 points in this game. No, Brunson, every reason to fold up the shop, every reason to say, hey, it's not our night, we'll let it go, blah, blah, blah. They come storming back. Quickly, he's insane in the third quarter. Randall, just like he did on Friday night. By the way, we'll get to that a little bit later on. What a what an insane game that was against the Heat. But Randall hits the three, and I'm like, let's go. Let's win this damn game right here and right now. Then the fourth quarter happens. And it looks like, after a couple of clutch Julius Randall free throws, the Knicks are going to win this game. They're up three, 10 seconds left. Celtics gone for the quick two. I mean, Richard Jefferson is basically talking up like a soliloquy. I mean, uh, I, Richard, I love you. You can take a breath. You know, you got another guy you work in the game with. He just it would go on and on and on. It was driving me insane. That final possession of the game, he's driving me to drink with some of the analysis. But anyway, the one thing you can't do in that spot, up three, and somebody's driving in the basket, is foul him. And sure enough, what happens, Quentin Grimes is out of position, stumbles a little bit, boom. And one, and the Celtics end up tying the game. At that point, despite the Knicks fighting as spirited and as hardworking and as tough as they were for four quarters, I thought they were dead in the overtime. Dead. Goes to double overtime. This one hell of a ball game. Emmanuel quickly, ladies and gentlemen, would not let him lose. He was 15 to 28. He had 38 points and played out of his freaking mind. And you know what? A week ago, I did an East Coast bias with our gambling guys, Raheem Palmer and Joe House. And I mentioned this. We're going through a bunch of NBA odds. Those six men in the year odds for quickly were way too high. They were way out of whack. And I was an idiot. I didn't bet it. They were like 32 to 1. Now, Emmanuel Quickly is basically the favorite to go and win six men of the year. And I could, st- I can understand why. He now, to me, is a game changer for the Knicks. If he could keep his play at this level because he's hitting shots. And what I know is I want him on the floor at the end of these games because he can create and he can hit the outside shot. Now, tonight was about Emmanuel quickly, but we got to be fair. RJ Barrett, 29 points. Julius Randle doing his thing, 31 points. Didn't love a couple of those possessions at the end of regulation, but you ain't going to complain about 50% from the field and 31 points and nine boards. You got good minutes from Mitchell Robinson. And of course, you got good minutes out of Hart, who is just a flat-out winning player. The Knicks are a vibe right now, folks. You know, I, I, I said all along, just get into the playoffs, compete in the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Then I'm like, all right, this team can definitely win a playoff series. I, I think we're at that point now. And... It's not a guarantee it's going to happen. Obviously, the Knicks are playing the best basketball of the season. The playoffs do not start today. But there are signs. There are obvious signs that show, hey, this team feels different. This team looks different. All that is on full display.
But after what you saw tonight in Boston, I might be delirious. I might be just like sipping orange and blue up the wazoo. But you wouldn't want seven games with the Boston Celtics with all the pressure in the world on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and Al Horford and Brogdon and Marcus Smart. Oh, by the way, when you're going against him, you can't stand Marcus Smart. He's a damn good player. He's, he's got a lot of heart in him. He's an irritant. He's a good defender, although he got torched tonight by quickly. Could you imagine that team going against the Knicks in a playoff series and what this show and what this city would be like? Oh, for the love of the basketball gods. Give me Knickerbockers, Celtics. I want it. I want it. Why the hell not? I was thinking about this tonight. And I know that the 54-win Knicks season with Melo in 2013 was awesome. Real talk. This is the most fun I've had watching the Knickerbockers since the late 90s. And the reason is, I feel like this is the beginning of something. I feel like there is young, hungry, developing, likable players up and down the roster. I'm in, baby. I'm in. I am full-fledged, all in. It's a fun group. And I think we're going to have a lot of moments, a lot of excitement, and a whole lot of damn energy regarding this team as we move forward, March into April, and avoiding that plan and dreaming big of a fun spring around New York City. This is shaping up to be an epic spring around New York City. With all three of the hockey teams having a chance to make the postseason. Knicks, Nets, trying to avoid that playing. Baseball, full swing. NFL draft, end of the month. Start the month with the Final Four in the National Championship. What a time to be alive. The New York Knickerbockers have won nine straight. They take the season series from the Boston Celtics and are 39-27 and 27 on the year. Am I dreaming? Is this real? Am I going to wake up and see like James Dolan on the front page of the New York Post just to make me sick to my stomach, even though nobody gets newspapers anymore and we just read them on our phones? I don't know if I'm dreaming or not, but that was fucking awesome tonight. That was the win of the year. And they've had a lot of them. That was the win of the year for the New York Knicks. And that's coming off the heels of Randall with the no, 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 yes! That was me, Friday night in the SOI newsroom. Because he basically almost gave the game to the Miami Heat. Brunson goes down. That was the ultimate no, 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 no. Yes! Moment from Julius. I'm delirious with the Knicks. They can absolutely win a playoff series and dream about the potential. Somehow, some way. Basketball gods, if you're listening. I want the Celtics. I want them. I want them. I want them. I want them. And I don't expect to win but it'd be fun. And to make our friends Simmons and Barrett 
and all of the Ringer Celtic universe sweat. Even Termini, it's serious. Make them sweat. Brian Patrick, Ryan Murray, I want them to sweat. That's what I want. Can we have that in a few weeks? Please. That's what I'm praying for. Two quick thoughts on the baseball. Senga got through his first start. He's feeling good. Goes fork, whatever. He is a huge key for the Mets. The Mets need Kodai Senga to be upper echelon this year. Quintana injury concerns. The two top guys, older. Senga cannot be a bust. We didn't want Bassett back in a Met uniform. I hated his comments at the end of the year, but I got to own this. He was great in the regular season. Are you going to get that sort of production from Kodai Senga? That is a major, major question that needs to be answered in a positive way from a Mets standpoint. So we'll be monitoring that as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Um, and one note on the Yankees before we take a couple of calls, and then we're going to have CeeLo, and then we're going to have my guy, Brian Barrett, who does the Boston version of this show, and he's fantastic, and I like him a lot, even with his flawed uh, sports perspective, but that's fine. The Yankees can't overthink left field. Play as Waldo Cabrera. I don't care if Aaron Hicks hit a home run. Aaron Hicks stinks. He will never be it. It's never happening. He probably will get hurt. I don't want to hear about Aaron Hicks. Give me somebody who's young, hungry, energetic, and hit for the Yankees down the stretch of last season and let him play on left field for a month and let's see what he can do. I don't need Aaron Hicks in my life. What Yankee fan honestly wants to see Aaron Hicks playing in the outfield over as Wilder Cabrera? Like, I hear that's like a, a, a talking point. No, there's no talking point. Play as Wilder Cabrera. Don't drive me insane, Aaron Boone. Play as Wilder Cabrera. All right. I thought about doing a Twitter Spaces tonight, but it got too late. I'm doing TV. We will do one, I promise. They, they're going to happen a lot more impromptu in addition to the ones that we plan out. It'll be a combination of a variety of things. But we'll take some voicemails at 917-382-1151. Uh, Steph, let's hear it. JJ, it's Thiasset. Uh Just finished the Knicks game. You know, to win that game, with no Brunson against a fully, from a health standpoint, healthy Celtic squad. What a win, dude. I mean, what a win. You know, to spread the, the points out between Barrett, between um, Randall, and obviously quickly, who had a career night. A huge win. Now, I, I want to be fair and say that I do think the Celtics are the best team in the East. But something's been up with them this last week. You know, a, a healthy, a healthy Celtics team, a team playing at its best in Boston doesn't lose tonight's game to the Knicks. They certainly don't lose the other night to the Nets. But you take it, dude. And, and, and it's like you said the other day, the reality of a first round series win against the Cavs it reminds me of the Giants. It's like, you know what? Go win a playoff series and then see what happens in the second round. We said the same thing with the Giants. Go win the first round and see what happens in the second round. So uh, I'm giddy, Nick. But I do have to ask you a Yankee-related question. And I, I don't expect you to name names. I will at some point. But, dude, some of these beat writers on Twitter, I mean, you know, they, they act like they're God's gift to the baseball fan. Can someone tell these guys that the job of a beat writer doesn't mean today what it was 50, 60, 70 years ago? I, I mean, some of these guys have to relax. Do you have any beat writers that you can't stand? Come on. Give us something juicy, Jay. I'll talk to you later. Uh, first off, said I'm glad that you are giddy, Nick. Um, it's interesting. I think the Knicks are ahead of where the Giants were from this standpoint. 
The Giants had not been in the playoffs in five, six years. The Knicks were there just two years ago. Last year was a step back. This year, again, has been a major step forward. This team, though, feels drastically different than the one two years ago because they're way better on offense. And I know he didn't play tonight, but Jalen Brunson is a part of the fold. That is a drastic, drastic difference to me. Sign me up right now. Knicks, Celtics. Cleveland wouldn't be easy. Knicks might not be favored in that particular series. They can absolutely win a playoff series. Can they win two playoff series? I'm not ready to go that far. But I want it. I want to be proven wrong. Just like I was proven wrong tonight. And as far as the beat writers, you know, I don't have any beef, to be honest with you, with any of the guys or the gals that that cover the Yankees and the Mets. Now, I've said this multiple times when it comes to the Yankee beat, and I respect a lot of the folks, and I think they do good work. I think they're way too easy on Boone. That's just my honest opinion. They're, They're too easy on them, and sometimes the questions I get after games, they drive me insane. Sometimes they're really good. But in many instances, I feel like Boone is given a pass from members of the daily working Yankee media because he schmoozes them and because he's a nice, likable guy. I I think there's something to that. But as far as like a a beat writer or somebody like in the media, I don't like. No, I, I don't have that from a beat writer standpoint. I don't. I mean, I can find you a few people in media to drive me insane, but I'm not going to do that. Not today. Not in the league. All right, who's next? What up, JJ Charlie from Elmhurst? New York Knicks, nine in a row. Stand up! That's a heck of a gutted out win, man. I thought when Brunson was out, like, uh, the winning series is going to be in. But, man, heck of a performance from Emmanuel quickly. Uh, guys, I'm probably the sixth and top three and sixth man candidate of the year. And, of course, Julius Randle putting some work. And, like, the X factor, like, if the Knicks end up fortunate to like um, get the four or five seed, it's going to be R.J. Barrett. That's a good game from R.J. Barrett. And we want to see him shoot the ball from well from outside. So let's, I think for the remainder of the season, you want to see R.J. Barrett um, uh, cooking, cooking. Because right now, this Knicks team, this, 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 it got something going, man. I love this Knicks team. What's going on with this team, man? So, that is really exciting. Exciting win, man, against the uh, Boston Celtics. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, you're welcome. Hopefully, y'all get the number one seat. Uh, I'm going to make sure I help you out. Uh, and another thing. Uh, so, I saw this in the morning. That's regarding the Yankees. Now, it's not about the shortstop situation. But, uh, ball feet going to start opening day. I will say Peraza is going to. Hopefully, he's going to be opening. Sorry. I mean, that better be. I want to see the kids. But, what the hell is this experiment? Uh, Aaron Judge uh, playing left, trying to play in left field. I mean, what is this? Are you trying to make this make this guy a super utility guy? You already paid him like what three hundred sixty million dollars for the lifetime of, of his contract. Like the true value of judges should be in right field. That's their best. Uh, he's best. He's at his best. He's in right field. Like John Carlos Stanton's not a scrub. I mean. John Carlos saying he's not like gold glove caliber, like uh, like super athletic guy. He's he's a good athlete who can't handle himself in left field, like in big Yan- left field Yankee Stadium. I mean, you can't get you can't be so like cheap and small with this move, man. Like I hate the move. I hate the move. The fact that I mean, I, I, if, if he ends up playing left field, Judge, 
Uh, he's going to handle himself well, but I don't like the experiment or what the Yankees are doing with Judge. Just hate it. Hate it. All right, man. So, yeah, Knicks win nine in a row. Let's go, man. Let's go. I got to wonder what Barrett, Charlie. Yeah, terrific game tonight. 29 points, 10 of 22 from the field, got you 11 boards. Is he just more comfortable when Jalen Brunson is not on the floor because he has the ball in his hands more? There might be something to that. There might be. But get him going is a monster question for the Knicks over the next six weeks. And you hope that he can really find some footing Tuesday, build on what he did today, get it going on the West Coast to kind of take it from there. And one note I want to make on Syosin's call, Celtics, to be fair, were not 100% right. Now, they had Brown, they had Tatum. They didn't have Robert Williams. They didn't have Malcolm Brogdon. I don't really care. I mean, the Knicks just beat him twice in a week. So, no excuses for the Celtics, but I am going to throw that out there. They were missing those two players. So, let's, let's be reasonable about it. And, and as far as judging left field, I don't like it. I understand the Yankees at Yankee Stadium are thinking about their outfield. And they're like, wow, we want to get Stan out there. Left field is monstrous. Right field is not. Bader and Judge can cover more ground than Stanton can. Like, on the surface, that makes sense. I want Aaron Judge basically in one spot. That's the way I see it. To me, when Stanton's going to play the field, I want him in right field. And maybe Judge is getting a day off. And maybe Bader is getting a day off. And that's kind of the way I would do it. I don't love the idea of moving Judge all over the outfield. I was okay with it in center field, moving him from right to left and like jerking him around left and right. It just, it seems problematic. And we know this with Stan. He's better when he plays the outfield a little bit. You're not going to be able to play him out there every day because he's going to get hurt. And they need his bat in the lineup. He's too important. Yankees are a different team when John Carlos Stanton is raking. He's hitting bombs and he's wrecking games. And I guess the Yankee logic is, well, then we can, you know, put Lemayu as the DH or we can DH Torres and we can have a little bit more flexibility. I'm not in love with that. My gut feel is I'm just not in love with it. All right, let's take one more. I'm looking forward to it. Let's hear it. What's up, JJ? It's Pete in Westchester. Been a while, man. Phone of the call. Check in. I got three things for you. I don't even know if you're dropping a podcast tonight or tomorrow or, you know, you, you're, you're moving to Twitter spaces. The conference, that was, first of all, that was day one. I heard it on the pod today. I didn't get a chance to, to tap in live, but that was really good conversation. And I think that's going to be a great way for us to connect with you, for you to connect with us. Um, you know, and, and so appreciate that. So I got, but three things for you. And again, if this isn't going to be on the pod, fine. Maybe you and Stefan can get a good laugh out of it later. You'll enjoy it later at some point. But anyway, so three things. Going to start with the Rangers. I'm an Islanders fan, and maybe I should shut the hell up because my team's barely hanging on to a wild card spot. But listen, Rangers fans, Patrick Kane or no Patrick Kane or Tarasenko, no Tarasenko, whatever the hell, we all know you guys ain't winning the Cup. So let's just relax. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll make the East Finals and lose again. But fine, you enjoy it for now. You guys are happy. That's fine. But we all know how this is going to end. You guys have had one, one Cup since 1940, so let's just settle down. Okay, nothing crazy is going to happen. Rangers fans, relax. Number one. Number two. Go to the flip to the other team in Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks. How awesome is it that it's March 1, March 2, whatever day it is, and you got Knicks basketball 
to get us through the end of winter into the springtime for Yankees and Mets baseball. How many times in New York City have we as fans just calendar gets to March and we're just begging for first pitch opening day? But we actually have a basketball season here in New York, and the Knicks, man, it's just a beautiful thing. So that's number two, really enjoying that. And number three, last but not least, can the Yankees please, please play some of the kids? Can we please have Volpe at short or Peraza or whoever? I'll take whoever at this point. And maybe, yeah, let's, can we put Dominguez in left field? Can we do something? Can we at least like make it interesting for once? And if we're not going to put Dominguez in left, can we put Giancarlo Stanton in left field for crying out loud? And I know Yankees are going to say, oh, well, you know, he's big and, you know, we don't want him to get hurt in left field, but the guy likes playing the field. Can we please put him in the goddamn field? All right, man. That's enough. Have a good weekend. Enjoy. Talk later. Bye bye. You want to see the kids. You're going to get a kid at shortstop. The Yankees cannot be dumb enough to play IKF. They just can't be dumb enough to do that. They have two good options. I don't care who they choose. I think we're going to see both of them this year. Peraza or Volpe. The last time the Knicks were able to do this for us was two years ago. But if you go before that, it's all the way to 2013. It is fantastic when you have a fun, likable, quality NBA team that can take you right into baseball season and maybe a little deeper into the baseball season. Because there was a time, believe it or not, at one point, when baseball season in New York really did not start until the Knickerbockers were finished up. Like in the 90s, when the Knicks were the number one team in town, until those late 90s Yankees really emerged onto the scene. It was Nick Town. It was Patrick Ewing, it was Pat Riley, John Starks, and the New York Knicks. Killing. Killing. Killing for the possibility of a Nick playoff run. Basketball gods, please, if you're listening, I beg. I beg. We have a fun show lined up the rest of the way. We'll have Crystal Presti, my pal. Did TV with me earlier tonight. He's a big Ranger guy. Remember him? He did all the stuff for us throughout the postseason last year. Watched some fun with the Nick game. Rangers kind of run around New York. Then we're going to have off the pikes Brian Barrett, who does the Boston version of this show. So you're going to enjoy that. Two for the money. See well? And the beat up. A two for Monday. Not quite a two for Tuesday, but it will do. I'm, I'm just in a weird mood. Knicks will do that to me. All right, see what's coming up next. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. All right, so I figured on a night where I have my guy in studio, as we did Honda Sports Night over at SNY, it's good timing to welcome back Chris Lepresti because the Rangers getting ready for the postseason. It's going to be a fascinating couple of weeks around here. But before we get to all the Rangers, before we get your early take on what might happen over these next few weeks, the New York Knickerbockers are the toast of the town. Dude, nine wins in a row. That double overtime game. How about quickly tonight, dude? I was tired just watching him. And it was amazing to get to the end of the game. They even said it to him in the on-court interview. How are you even standing right now? Dude barely broke a sweat. Like, he looked like he could have gone another 55 minutes. A lot of energy. 
lot of excitement, a lot of passion, big time performance by him stepping in with Jalen Brunson out. So he goes for 38 and 55 minutes, double OTs, prancing around, celebrating these baskets he's making late. So big time effort, awesome win for the Knicks up in Boston after they were coming off that terrible loss to the Nets the other night. So you thought this would maybe be a spot to have the winning streak come oh, to no an end. Brunson? Of no course. Brunson? Listen, see, well, yeah. you know me. I don't bet against my teams. If the Knicks were not my team, I would have hammered the Celtics Absolutely, tonight. yeah. And hammered. They're, and they're down, you know, what, 14 in the third quarter, make the comeback, they go up 11, then it gets down to one, they're back up seven, and then at the end, the Grimes foul, and then they don't get a shot off in the final possession of regulation. You're thinking, oh, that was their shot. This That was their chance to finish it off. Now you're going to overtime, and you're thinking that it's going to be advantage Celtics, but they found a way. Very impressive victory. Okay. We missed the boat on this. You know what Emmanuel quickly was at the start of March for sixth man of the year? Take a guess. Start of March, sixth man of the year. On Fandle. Oh, man. Uh, it's a crazy number. That's I was gonna, I yeah, it's got to be four digits. Uh, 32 to one. <laughs> yeah. 32 to one. Before tonight, he was plus 220. Currently, he's plus 135 to win a sixth man of the year. It's a drastic Long change. Long story short, Sewell, we missed the boat on not betting Emmanuel quickly to win sixth man of the year. Well, yeah, but I mean, back at the start of March, did you think like, ah, oh, you know what? I could see him winning. Maybe I mean, we should take a look at that. well. Was he playing yeah. as well as guys like Brogdon and right. Powell and some of the other contenders? No, not necessarily. Hindsight 2020. He's playing out of his mind. Would you say... This is the most enjoyable Nick team they've had since the 90s teams. Yes or no? I would think so. I mean, they had the one year with Mello where they won all those games, right? Regular season. What was it? 53 wins regular 54. season. You know 54. what it is, though? This team, it's more well balanced. It's hungrier. Yeah. They play a better brand of basketball. I just think they have more of a likability factor. To yeah. Them. Well, I mean, look, the Brunson moves made all the difference in the world because forget the fact that he's lived up to the contract. It's just it's just refreshing to watch him play, like the way in which he goes about his business in this day and age where the NBA, the top dogs, the stars can be a little, yeah, a little chip on play the when shoulder. They want to. A little and rough not a around the edges. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, I know that works for some of them, but there's just a, there's a lightness about him, the way he talks after a game. I mean, he's so polished in both on the court and off the court. So I think that makes it a lot easier and seems to have certainly rallied the troops around him. You didn't know what you were going to get out of Julius Randle after last year. You know, we talked a lot about that when the season ended into the offseason on SNY as far as, look, they got to get him off the roster, find a way. And look, it's not perfect. He still has his nights making in your in his in his moments within games that make you scratch your head a little bit, but it's been a much better season for him. I'm sure having Brunson here as sort of the the lead dog helps. But they are. They're very deep. A lot, especially with when Mitchell Robinson's healthy and in the lineup makes a diff, a big difference. You can't overlook the fact that they're unbeaten since Josh Hart arrived. Like, I'm not saying it's all because of that, but that move has worked out well. So there's, as you go down the list, there's a lot to like about this team. Yay or nay, Knicks win a playoff series. Gut yeah. feel. Yeah. You're going to say yeah? yeah I think if they yeah. play Cleveland, they will win a playoff Yeah, that's, series. that's what I'm thinking. That's I was the looking I at feel. the standings. Like, I know there's a ways to go. It could change. But it feels like that's probably the most likely 4-5 matchup right now. Would you agree? And it'd be ultra juicy. Donovan Mitchell, yeah. the guy you could have gotten yeah. against the current team that you had. That'd be fun. A lot of fireworks. All right, buddy. This is the reason I wanted you on. Of course, yeah. You are Mr. Ranger. Yeah. You were with us a ton last year throughout the playoff run. Mm -hmm. And listen, all in all, you look at where the Rangers are at. They're 35-19-9. and nine. They got 79 points, but they're behind the Devils. They're behind the Carolina Hurricanes. They played the Boston Bruins the other day. They don't beat the Boston Bruins. Nobody's beating the Boston but Bruins But nobody's right beating the Boston Bruins at all this yeah. year, to your point. 
They go and make the Kane trade. They go and make some other moves. Where do you stand currently on this Ranger group from where they were at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals to where they are right now? Are they a better team than what they were a year ago? No, I don't think they're a better team. They haven't shown it to me consistently enough yet. They haven't proved it in a number of ways. Now, on paper, do they have more talent than that group did? I believe that they do. But it's going to come down to a couple of factors. One, how do the new guys gel and mesh over time? And this is the problem right now and why I've getting, been getting worked up and going back and forth. With You would think Devil fans would be after me or Islander fans right now as the Rangers go through this little lull here. It's more Ranger fans. No, the Ranger fans going Ranger after Ranger fans, not, really? not a lot of them, not so much after me, but a lot of oh, they don't have the goods. They don't have the right mix. They don't defend this, that. They don't have a shot. They can't beat Carolina. They can't beat the Devils. Listen, let's let that play out. Maybe that'll end up being the case. But we've still got five, six weeks to go before the postseason arrives. And I look at a team that just made these flurry of moves, right? And the trade with the Blues is, what, three weeks old now where they brought Tarasenko and Nico Mikola in? Fine. But you you basically did all of this cap maneuvering to make the Kane trade. And they were it's they were jumping through hoops. It was gymnastics, all kinds of stuff. Guys sitting out yeah. left and right. It, I mean, it was chaos. So we're beyond that now. Fine. First two games don't look great. He's a minus four. No points, very few, not an impact player in the first two games. To be quite honest, that's pretty much what I expected from a number of facets, right? For his, from Patrick Kane's standpoint, he didn't play much in the week leading up to finally arriving with the Rangers. They make the trade. He shows up morning of his debut. He goes out on the garden ice for a little morning skate. The team had played in Philadelphia the night before. So they don't even take a morning skate together. So essentially, he goes out on garden ice the other night against Ottawa to make his debut electric, atmosphere, all that. I was into it. But you had to know, like, to limit your expectations because they were essentially playing pickup hockey together, right? No practice, no morning skate, no nothing. And then, bang, you turn around and you're going to play a couple days later in Boston against the best team in hockey who's going as well as anybody right now. They're the fastest team to 100 points in NHL history. So I think the deck was stacked against them a little bit. They're playing short. Keandre Miller's suspended. Ryan Lindgren's hurt. Tyler Mott, who they just got back, gets banged up the other night. They're playing short of forward, short of defenseman. Point being, there's all these things stacked against them. And to judge them off of this two-week span where they're not playing great hockey, to me, is silly. You have to let them get a couple of days off, get a few practices under their belt. They're going to play, I think, seven in a row against teams that are below them in the standings, some Eastern Conference, some Western Conference. Point being, there's no reason to try and make a judgment on this team as it stands right now. They need time to mesh and gel. When you get to the end of the regular season, heading into the postseason. If they're not playing well and they've fallen down in the standings, God forbid, fallen out of a, you know, fallen out of a 2-3 spot into a wild card spot, then you can sound the panic alarms and the bells and do all that you, that you want. But the bottom line is, get into the postseason. Stranger things have happened. You get into the series. I, I got guys telling me, oh, Carolina owes them payback from last year. Completely ignoring the fact that they beat Carolina. They did beat Carolina. Both games heads up this and year. And remember, everybody looked at Carolina last year and said, oh, bad matchup for the Rangers. Right. They don't play well against I did, Carolina. I didn't love the matchup and either. Them. And again, you know, for Carolina this year, another impressive season. You know, the Rangers benefited from some goaltending issues for the Hurricanes in the playoffs last year. Got news for you. If you look at their goaltending, hasn't been all that much better this year. They've had guys that have been in and out, guys that have been banged up. So point being, if you're trying to project now and make definitive decisions about what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs from a Ranger perspective, it's way too early to get into that. They're entering this final stretch run. They really have to fall off to fall out of that 2-3 spot, which right now looks like it's going to be Devils-Rangers. Now, the Devils never lose. 
So they could very well catch, they're playing great. They could very well catch Carolina, and then you'd be talking about Hurricanes Rangers round one. But either way, outside of falling way down into a wild card spot, and if they ended up somehow the second wild card where they got to go play Boston in the first round, that's a nightmare scenario. But I don't see that happening. Kane, we know he's got the track record. We know he's a future Hall of Famer. He's Mr. Blackhawk, give or take, at least for the modern day fan. How much does he have left? Do I think, you think he has a considerable amount of quality, high-quality hockey left? I think he has high-quality offensive hockey left or just that's what he is. But if you're going to, like a lot of people have been, they needed to go find a two-way guy, a guy who defends. Like that's not Patrick Kane. You know, like that's not what his MO is. So if you're looking for him to be, you know, back-checking hard and banging guys against the boards, not happening. that's not the game he's going to play. Now, if you want to say that that's a flawed approach from the Rangers' standpoint as far as looking ahead to the playoff goes, that's fine. But what I saw was a team that wanted to add a scoring right winger. Ultimately, they decided to go after Tarasenko and make the move with the Blues. It didn't sit well with Kane. It seemed like there was no way it was going to happen. He essentially uses his no-trade clause as the leverage to make it the perfect situation for the Rangers where they didn't have to give up a lot to bring him in as far as asset. They basically gave up nobody off their roster in any of these moves that they made that was going to be a difference maker, whether it be Sammy Blay, Julian Gauthier, Really nothing of significance. So to me, their top six, as it stands with guys healthy, yes, it's very skill-based. It's very offensive flashiness, east-to-west passes. Maybe not the stuff that prototypically wins in the in the postseason, but I look at their bottom six with the kid line and this fourth line that they're able to put together now with Barkley Goodrow, with Tyler Mott, and with Jimmy VC. And I think there's enough grit and there's enough toughness, there's enough experience there for them to stack up against teams in the playoffs. It guarantees them nothing, right? And we haven't touched on, to me, the most important factor. You asked about Kane, and it's the right question to ask right now because he's the new guy. But I'll say this. If Igor Shosturkin doesn't get back to playing to his no capabilities, chance. all of this conversation is moot because if he doesn't make the handful of saves in, the, in a postseason game in the big spots when they need them, because they're going to give up opportunities, they're going to give up odd man rushes because of the type of hockey that they play. So if he's not going to get back to being where he was a season ago, I'm not even going to say... Vesna trophy quality, but right now he's playing below average. He's not playing like one of the best goaltenders in the league. He is not. He'll give you flashes, you know, a sequence here or there, a period, but some of these goals that are being scored against him are not goals he was allowing last year. So if that's going to continue for the next five or six weeks into the playoffs, then they have a big problem. What's the bigger issue for them? Shesterkin or the defense? I think it's Shesterkin. I, and I know a lot of people, you know, the defense isn't good enough, but again, they've been playing without guys for the last two weeks in this stretch where things have gone wrong. Prior to that, they ripped off seven in a row. Some of that was based on the fact that they were scoring a lot, but some of the parts collectively, I still think they're good enough. You know, people, Jacob Truba has been the guy that everyone wants to focus on this year because he's got the C and he makes a lot of money, right? But he's, to me, their top four is solid. They weren't going to make any changes there. It's Ryan Lindgren, it's Adam Fox, it's Jacob Truba, it's Keandre Miller. You're going to go to war with those four. Is it Does it stack up against some of the other postseason teams? Perhaps not. But I think defensively, they're fine. I think there's enough depth with, with Mikola now and with Ben Harper to go along with Braden Schneider. It comes down to Shesterkin playing up to his capabilities. And when they get into the postseason, can they score consistently enough? How does the power play look? Those are sort of the, the usual things we always talk about. And everyone right now wants to panic about it because it doesn't look good. But they've come through this stretch where they were Again, bending over backwards to make all of these moves add up before the deadline, salary cap compliant, guys out injured. So now you go into this stretch run, get it all figured out, let these guys mesh, get some practice time, get healthy. And I really am more curious how they look 
in the first week of April than how they look right now. Devils. We talk about this all the time with the Yankees and the Mets. Hey, bring them on. Not worried. Ba, ba, ba. What will be, will be. You are a Jersey guy that is a Ranger fan. So the Devil fans that exist are going to be, I would assume, in your life, in your backyard. Is that a series you would embrace? Is that a series you would look forward to? Because let's be honest, you love. I don't care who has the better record and has more points this year. Everyone's going to expect the Rangers to win that series based upon what they did in the playoffs last year. And to me, there is no pressure on the Devils. None. No, I don't think there's any pressure on the Devils. I don't know that I'd say everyone's going to expect the Rangers to win just because of how far the Devils have come this year, right? With the emergence and the further development of their young talent. The bugaboo for them last year was defensively more so goaltending. And they've shored that up. Vitek Vanacek coming in has done a, a much better job than what they were putting out there a season ago. So they are headed in the right direction. They are obviously trending upwards. Do I embrace it from a rivalry standpoint? Absolutely. Do I feel confident right now? No. Wow. No okay. No way. And that's just... And that's just stirking more than anything else? It's a, it's a mixture of everything. It's how, I think it's having, as much as I can't stand the Devils, it's having respect for the body of work now and what they've put together this year and how good Jack Hughes is, how good Nico Heashier is, what they can offer defensively. Dougie Hamilton's having a big season. They bring in Timo Meyer now, who was sort of like the apple of everyone's eye at the trade deadline. A lot of teams couldn't afford him because of what his contract situation is going to be going forward with an extension. The Devils were able to bring that on. He just made his debut here Sunday night and scored right away after sitting out a few games with an injury. So similar to the Rangers, you know, the Devils getting themselves now on the track towards getting ready for the postseason, getting this new big piece in and taking time now to figure out how he fits so that when they get into the playoffs, they're ready to fire on all cylinders. If we get that first round matchup, I think it would be awesome. I think it'd be electric. You're going to see the two teams play again late in the regular season in Jersey at Prudential Center where the Rangers are always uh, well represented. Oh, yeah. There's no knock on the Devil fans. Hell, the Rangers were well represented wherever they go. I've seen it in Carolina now. Seen Boston, it in Tampa, you name it. Philly last week. I know the Flyers are bad right now. Tortorella even talked about it after the game, how the building was full of Ranger fans. So I don't think from a, you know, if the Devils end up the two and the Rangers are the three, I don't think the home ice matters much. It's more the talent that the Devils present and what they can do. They've been feisty against the Rangers. They've given them trouble. So to me, that would be, you know, I'd be shocked if that's a series that doesn't go six or seven games. Dude, let's be honest. April around here is going to be electric. Gonna be I mean, going you're going to have the Knicks. You're going to have the Nets, whether they're in the play-in or they make the first round of the playoffs. Yep. You could have a Ranger-Devil first-round series. You, you got baseball starting. The Islanders are hanging in there right the now. The Islanders could find their way in. And yeah. oh, by the way, the NFL drafts at the end of the month, not too shabby. It's not too shabby at all. There's be a lot to discuss from a playoff standpoint. We touched, I, I mentioned this to you, you know, off-air. We were getting ready to do TV. As far as the winter teams go, the five, Knicks, Nets, Rangers, Devils, Islanders, we haven't seen all five in the same postseason in a given year since... 1994. And I forgot about the fact that the Rangers swept the Islanders on their way. They did. And it's interesting. In that regular season, Rangers went out to Nassau Coliseum and it had been like five years since they had won in that building. So they had to exercise that demon, which they did. And then when they got into that first round of the playoffs, I mean, the Islanders ran into a buzzsaw. Not only was it a sweep, all those games were blowouts. I mean, they just destroyed them. So yes, they were in and out quickly. uh, And that's why for me, I don't have much hate for the Islanders because they've never caused me any pain in the postseason, whereas the Devils have been a thorn in the Rangers' side for a long time now, both regular season and postseason. Devils have obviously had more success since the Rangers won the Cup in 94. So that's where that stems from for me. The Jersey thing is sort of a, that's like a a side angle. Yes, 
growing up in Jersey when newspapers were still a thing and reading all about Marty Brodeur and the Devil's Dynasty while the Rangers were, you know, the doormat of the Eastern Conference. Spending money on uh, Woodrow's and uh, Uh, Pavel Burris. That first lockout and the salary cap coming into play. Best thing that ever happened in Rangers. 100%. Best thing that ever happened. 100%. Final one. The New York Jets starting quarterback week one in September will be Longer this drags on, I was originally in the Aaron Rodgers camp thinking that was the way it was going to end up. The longer this has gone on, I more and more feel like it's going to be Derek Carr. I just, I, I mean, there's no telling when Rodgers is going to make this decision. You know, free agency starts in, what are we, uh, basically 10 days. I know Carr's already a free agent, but it's just the new league year starting, the draft right around the corner. You know, teams are making decisions on franchise tags. Not that that necessarily impacts the Jets, but the fact that they've met with him twice, you got Woody Johnson involved. The Jets have raved about Carr. Carr, wherever you want to believe that these stories are coming from, it seems like his side is putting it out there that he likes the Jets as well. And by the way, when you look at the three teams he's considering, you got every reason to, well, to like the Jets. Between the Orleans, although Carolina's got some talent. Yeah, but when you look at the roster from top to bottom, now I understand it's New York and the Jets. So there's a lot. And the AFC, much tougher confidence. That's true. That's true. That NFC is going to be wide open next year. But if I'm looking at offensively, you know, my best chance to come in and succeed as far as the talent that's already assembled, I could see where Carr likes what the Jets have to offer. I think a lot of Jet fans think it's going to be Derek Carr. I think there are a lot of Jet fans holding out hope for Aaron Rodgers. But I think if that domino falls a certain way, most Jet fans I talk to, my man, are right with you. It's not the most exciting thing. I mean, he has his he's warts, but Listen, it's, it's definitely an upgrade. He plays every Sunday. Yeah. And he's got to be the quarterback he was two years ago, not the guy he was for McDaniels last year. If that's the version of Derek Carr you're getting, Jets are in some trouble. Yeah, that would just seem like a weird shotgun marriage situation to begin with. I mean, I, it's going to be the case anytime you bring in a new head coach, but because he is such an offensive guy and because those guys, those Patriot guys are such creatures of habit. You knew he was going to want to get his own guy in there. And already I'm reading now, you know, oh, Jimmy G, possibly to the Raiders. I've seen that rumor McDaniels now. McDaniels is the absolute worst. Yeah. So, I mean, what you know, a, what for Carr, maybe a blessing in disguise. I know he was a Raider guy. He and Devontae Adams talk so much about playing together and they only get one season together. But who knows? Maybe it works out nicely for him. Buddy, thanks for a few minutes. Always. Uh, looking dazzling on television. As and, are you. Uh, I will see you in Las Vegas. Can't wait, man. The big JJ Extravaganza Final Four weekend. Uh, are you bringing the clubs or are you renting? I'm bringing the clubs. I've got the travel bag ready to go. There was a uh, a professional opportunity situation that could have perhaps precluded me, prevented me from, from coming to Vegas, but I'm pretty certain that is now off the table. I, think I mean, we're, I, usually I think I'm we're rooting in the clear. for professional development. Well, of course. In this case, I'm kind of long ter- it's not. Long term, but in the short term, yes, I, I will be able to attend and we'll Well, we'll the good, good news time. is there will be many more professional developments coming your way. I mean, I work with you all the time on TV. Career's going well. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I, see. Listen, I'm <laughs> buying stock. That's our buddy, Chris Lepresti. He'll be with us a ton throughout this Ranger postseason. Hopefully another lengthy Ranger postseason. All right, we'll your come lips. right back. Oh, I know you are. See you, buddy. I thought it would be appropriate to do a little crosstalk. Knicks beat the Celtics two times in a week. Everything is coming up. Sunshine and lollipops, rainbows, whatever you want to call it these days in Nickland. They haven't lost since they got Josh Hart. They win on Sunday. And full disclosure, as I welcome in the outstanding Brian Barrett, who hosts Off the Pike, which is like the Boston version of what we do. I guess that's really the best way to look at it. He's done a fantastic job. He's a Syracuse guy, so you know, of course, I like him. Uh, Brian, if 
the New York Knickerbockers were not the team in Boston tonight, I would have hammered the Celtics. No Bronson. I'm like, the Knicks are due to lose one here. When the Celtics go up by 13, I think you're going to run them out of the building. Uh, how stunned are you, first off, that the Knicks were able to pull that game off the way that they did in the fourth quarter, surviving the Grimes brain fart, and then finding a way to win a double overtime? Well, first of all, you misled me. I thought I was coming on here to talk about the Bruins beating the Rangers. I didn't think I was oh, we'll talking about Oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> I promise kidding. you we will get there. We are doing a lot more <laughs> hockey on this show nowadays, all of a sudden. That's what we do around here. Playoff well, hockey. Yeah, uh, that that was a good moment for Boston. Tonight, of course, not a great moment. And I'll say this, I wasn't that surprised. Now, that was, I still can't believe he committed that foul. But the Celtics have not played well, really, since the All-Star break. They had, like, the big win on national TV against the 76ers, but Tatum didn't even have 20 points in that game. If you look at it, JJ, the reason I'm not surprised is their defense has not been good, really, since the All-Star break. You go to it since the break. They are 23rd in defense, the Boston Celtics. And think about this, JJ. Anybody can get 40 on this team right now. I mean, it's really frustrating to look at. I mean, you think about it. Donovan Mitchell has 44. Miles Turner has 40. Bridges just lit him up for 38. Quickly, tonight comes in and he has 38. He's taunting the Celtics. He's doing all these, like, dances on the court. It's just embarrassing where they're at right now from a defensive perspective. And the other element to this is, they have some issues with their rotation right now. One of the things we like we're saying at the beginning of the season is, hey, can you imagine when they're all healthy? This Celtics team is going to be so deep. But right now, Grant Williams last four games, 16 points and 16 fouls. He was out of the rotation in a game where he got a coach, uh, coach's decision, didn't play. And then tonight, for some reason, he's playing the entire fourth quarter and all the overtime minutes. And Derek White's not playing. I guess it was like a matchup thing with Randall, but it's not like he did a great job on Randall anyway. Derek White this season has been the third best player on the Celtics. And for some reason, he barely plays in the fourth quarter in overtime. And it's just, I'm coming back to the whole idea of, well, do we trust this coach when you get to the postseason? Like, what the fuck were they doing at the end of the game there where they let 11 seconds come I off no the idea. clock and they're not running anything? And it's like you're you're losing. You know, the yeah. game is not tied. You need to go and dictate the terms of this game. You got to dictate the action. I always love hearing an opposing fans or an opposing podcaster, broadcaster, whatever we're calling ourselves these days, Brian, perspective <laughs> on a team because you don't get a chance to watch the Knicks every day. I don't get a chance to watch the Celtics every day. You've seen the Knicks now twice in a week. You saw them with Jalen Brunson. You saw them without Jalen Brunson. What was your takeaway watching our basketball team? They're really good. And I've been saying all year, it's like, hey, you want to get the one seed because you want to play either Philadelphia or Milwaukee. Just one of them. Don't have to play both of them because those would be really physical series. But now, like, I'm starting to get worried about a potential Knicks series where it's going to be a grind. If the Knicks, say the hypothetical, like right now, the 4-5 is the Knicks and the Cavaliers. The Knicks match up better with the Celtics than the Cavaliers do. And I know the Celtics lost a couple of times to the Cavs, but the Cavs have no wing defenders, right? I mean, they're Starting wing is Okoro. He can't defend Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. This Knicks team, they have multiple guys that they can throw at Tatum and Brown. I mean, the Josh Hart pickup was tremendous. I still don't know why they barely had to give up anything to oh, get Josh Hart. Fleecing. Total fleecing. We yeah. talked about this the other day. I was like, that's it. Cam Reddish in a first-round pick when they got a zillion first-round picks. That guy, Barrett, is perfect for New York. He's a oh, badass. Yeah. He gets after it on defense. He's a little bit of an agitator. He's got the chemistry with Brunson. That was a slam dunk move by Leon Rose. Slam dunk. 
Yeah, I give him a lot of credit for that move. It was a great move. And the the other thing I'll say is Brunson is a major problem. Like, I was looking up some of his isolation numbers. He's one of the best players in the league in ISO. He's in, like, the 88th percentile. So he can get a bucket whenever he wants to. And, of course, he lives at the free throw line. Like, he, the guy takes a million free throws. Now, sometimes in the postseason, that can be an issue if you're not getting the fouls that you do during the regular season. But, man, quickly is a problem. Like, this guy was getting whatever he wanted tonight, and it was really aggravating to see the Celtics not be able to stop him. The one thing I will say is, like, when you have time to game plan for the Knicks, I do think they'll do a better job of sort of exposing Mitchell Robinson. We saw when Tatum got the switch on him, he would get downhill and get to the basket. Jalen, at the end of the game, you have the slower defender on you, the bigger guy. And he's a great defender. I'm not saying that he's not. But why are you settling for a three there? You're one of the most athletic players in the NBA. Like in a league that has the best athletes in the world, you're like in the top 5% of athletes. Just go buy him. Just go buy the defender and get there. So I do think they'll be able to take advantage of some of that in the postseason as well. But the Knicks are scary, man. They'll de- they would definitely give the Celtics a difficult series, I believe. Now, obviously, I'd pick the Celtics to win that series. But I think that, I, look, they have, they've, I know for years they were trying to like get the big move or clear cap space. It just feels like they've hit on a lot of good players. Like the Brunson deal, people were criticizing that contract. <laughs> that thing is a bargain. I mean, it's unbelievable that the people are saying that was a bad contract initially when he signed it. He's so much better than I thought he was, Brian. I always liked him as a player of Villanova. He played really well for Dallas in the postseason. But it kind of goes back to you never know what you have with a guy until you see him day after day after day. The basketball IQ is off the charts. You mentioned he can get a bucket whenever he wants. At the end of these games, and the Knicks missed that tonight, I believe, in the fourth quarter. You know, he gets everybody in a position. You trust him with the ball in his hands. You know he's going to make a sound, right, practical basketball play. And, yeah, that contract is an absolute no-brainer. It's been one of the best free agent signings New York City has had in the last 20 years. That's how good Jalen Brunson has been. Probably the best Nick point guard they've had in 35 years since Derek Harper, for goodness sakes. It's <laughs> insane thinking about that. And I'm with you. Look, I'm not delusional. The Celtics are a more talented team. I would expect the Celtics to beat the Knickerbockers if they matched up. But I think it's telling from your voice. You'd prefer Cleveland. Younger team. Yeah, they have Mitchell. Yeah, they have Darius Garland. But you'd rather see the Cavs come in to Boston best of seven as opposed to the gritty, hard-nosed, nobody-believes-in-us New York Knickerbockers. Brian, I'm hoping we get it, man. I think it'd be one hell of a second-round series. Be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Oh, my God. It would be so great for the league, too. Can you imagine Boston and New York in the second round? And you have the Tom Thibodeau angle, of course, the former Celtics assistant coach. So that would be a big-time storyline as well. I hope we get it, too. I mean, the Cleveland thing, the reason I say I prefer to play Cleveland than the Knicks. It's just the fact that I watched them play Cleveland and they just like, they big boyed him the other night, right? Like Al Horford first play of the game is just going right through Evan Mobley's chest. Now we all know that Donovan Mitchell can go nuclear and he can light it up with the best of them. I just feel like the Knicks have more like mean guys. Like Brunson is a mean player. Josh Hart is a mean player. Quickly. I mean, this guy's got a ton of He's swagger. He's a dog. And Barrett, yeah. I was talking about him for six men in a year a week ago. His odds were like 30 to 1. They were like 3 to 1 going into today game, uh, today's game. And now he's like basically the odds on favorite to win the award. Like the, 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 everybody now buying the Emmanuel quickly hype. He can play. Yeah, it's probably going to be between him and Brogdon, right? I mean, those are probably the two guys. I know. Remember for a while, like for some reason, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know what best. people are thinking on that one. I mean, that guy absolutely sucks. But yeah, quickly, quickly. 
I can't believe how good that guy is in terms of just like getting by. Like he was going by good defenders tonight. We're talking about Marcus Smart and Derek White, and he was getting into the lane. Like every time like <laughs> I watch this guy play, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, where did he come from? He's a remarkable player. I heard Tibbs say after the game, that's his guy. So <laughs> apparently Tibbs was a big fan of him as well. But yeah, I mean, what did you expect coming into the season? Like, did you expect 500. them to get a top six seed? No. I did yeah. not. I thought they'd be a 500 team. I thought they'd avoid the lottery. They'd be in the plan. Maybe they'd be lucky enough to win the plan. The idea that they're double-digit games over 500 is insane, especially, Brian, when in early to mid-December, Thibodeau was on the chopping block. And I've always considered myself a Thibodeau guy because I'm like, okay, the talent is not great. I understand what the, the bad rap is. He runs players into the ground. He yeah. plays the starters too many minutes. But nobody takes the Timberwolves to the playoffs. He took them to the playoffs. They were good in Chicago every single year. What has happened to the Chicago Bulls since Tom Thibodeau has departed? The franchise has turned into an absolute mess. So the Knicks, I, I get it. It's a low bar. They, they have one playoff series win in about 20 years. So <laughs> I, I understand where we're coming from here. Yeah. But I wasn't one of these guys rushing to get Thibodeau out of here. They lost the Saturday game to Dallas. They stunk. I'm like, oh, boy. They lose to Cleveland. That might cause... A shakeup. They won. They went eight in a row. And all of a sudden, things stabilize. And now they're having the season they're having. I want to ask you this. Because right now, the Bruins and the Celtics are playing, listen, great basketball and great hockey. I know recently the Celtics are not. But if you look in the Eastern Conference, they're one, two. They, they got a legitimate chance to win the NBA title. Who is Boston more confident in? Come I would springtime. The Bruins right now, man. I mean, if you look at them right now, they're on pace to break the wins record and the points record. They've already beaten all the other teams in the NHL, which is the first time that's been done. So people are more confident in the Bruins. And you know what's interesting to me about that is it was completely the opposite entering the season, right? Because, and look, it, hockey's different because you get a goaltender. I mean, you guys saw it last Playoffs, year in New anything York, can right? happen. You know it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kerry Price took the Canadians a couple of years ago to the Stanley Cup final, right? And that Canadians team had no business getting to the Stanley Cup final. We saw in 11, Tim Thomas did the same. Now, the Bruins are really good, but Tim Thomas carried them there. The thing about the Bruins entering the season is I felt like, okay, they're a playoff team. They're a solid playoff team, but they're not going to do much damage. We saw them get outclassed by Carolina last year in the postseason. But they've just found a way where this team is just incredibly deep. And they made a really tough decision. Like the general manager of the team, Don Sweeney, moved on from Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy took this team to the cup in 2019. He's like a really good coach. And look at Vegas. Like Vegas is playing really well. And most people here thought that the issue was actually not Bruce Cassidy and it was Don Sweeney, the guy running the team. But what we found out is they bring in Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery completely changed up the system where he wants the defenseman to be more active in the rush. And it's completely changed this team. The reason this team is where it is is partially because of bringing in Jim Montgomery. And David Krejci was playing overseas last year. He came back because Bruce Cassidy was gone. Jake DeBrusque is having his best season. He didn't get along with Bruce Cassidy. He asked for a trade last year. It's not a coincidence that all these guys are having great years with Jim Montgomery, and they're so deep. Now, unfortunately, they're dealing with an injury right now to Taylor Hall, but you're talking about a guy that won the Hart Trophy, former MVP of the league. He's on your third line. I mean, that's how deep the Bruins are right now, and they've done a great job in terms of their trading deadlines. I mean, two years ago, or I should say last year, it's Lindholm, one of the best defensemen in the NHL. A couple of years prior to that, it's Taylor Hall. And then this year, they get a bunch of guys to play with Edge. Orloff, who has gotten into issues with the Bruins. Hathaway, who's had issues with the Bruins. 
all these guys that they bring in at the trading deadline seem to work out. So right now, I would say the Bruins, oh, people are a lot more confident than them because there's still like the bad taste of what happened in the finals with Tatum and Brown. Brown turned the ball over like crazy. And Tatum was the sixth leading scorer in the game in a game six elimination game. So people still have that in the back of their heads. You doing a lot of hockey on off the pike? Is is Boston like, they're a big hockey town. I understand that. New York, listen, the Ranger fan is very passionate, but it's fractured. You have the Islander fan, you have the Devil fan. And, you know, for me at least, I usually start doing a little hockey now and then we really ramp up come playoff time. Have you been doing a lot of hockey on the pod, curiously? Yeah, we've been doing a lot because, I mean, it's history, right? Like this They're team actually, out of minds. No, yeah, it, like man. they have a chance to break his, and there's been a lot of storylines with this team too. Like recently, David Pasternak, he just got that contract late last week where he got signed for $90 million, $90 million over eight years. He's probably going to be the runner up for the MVP behind Connor McDavid because nobody's going to catch him. But people are interested because think about this, JJ. They won the cup in 11. And on that team was Bergeron, Krejci, and Marshawn. It looked like so many times it was going to be over for this group, right? Like, after they lost to the Blues in 19, I'm like, oh, that was their last best chance, right? They have home ice, and all these other teams lost that the Bruins would have had a tougher time with in the postseason. Like, you had Washington and Pittsburgh lost. The Lightning, actually, speaking of the record, they got upset by Columbus. So they didn't have to play the Lightning that year, and the Lightning the next two years would win the Stanley Cup. So after that, I felt like, all right, they're probably done. Then they come back the next season. They're the best team in the NHL before COVID. And then they lose in the bubble. You have this whole situation where Tuka Rass leaves the bubble to go back home. It was just a complete mess. I thought it was over then. And then after last year, they lose to Carolina. I'm like, all right, this group's getting older. And now they have the best record in the NHL. Like, so people are really committed to Bergeron and Krejci and especially Marshawn. And now with the Pasternak situation that he's locked up long-term, it's like refreshing, right? It's almost the opposite of, High and Bloom running the Red Sox, where it's like, hey, Mookie Betts, MVP of Major League Baseball. Let's trade him for Alex Verdugo. The Bruins came up with this crazy idea where they said, hey, David Pasternak's one of the best players in the NHL. You know what we're going to do? Let's fucking sign him long term. I think that would make sense. So people like that about the Bruins. They keep their guys. They sign him. Like, no free agent, no guy on the Bruins, like, with the exception of the DeBrus situation last year, he's not a top-tier player. But guys don't want to leave the Bruins. Like, guys really like playing for this organization, which, of course, is not the case right now for the Red Sox. I'm glad you mentioned the Red Sox. I couldn't let you leave without a parting thought on the upcoming 2023 season. 77 and a half wins, Mr. Barrett. Are the Red Sox going to be a plus 500 team? Yeah, I'm taking the over on that. And, and we had this conversation, J- JJ, you and I via text, like the schedule helps them. Oh, because, dramatically. Listen, yeah. you don't got 19 with the Yankees. You don't got 19 with Tampa. You don't got 19 with Toronto. Toronto absolutely embarrassed the Red Sox last year. Like, yeah. you guys should benefit from more Kansas City and more Detroit and, you know, more National League teams along the way. Uh, the problem is you're in the wrong division, dude. That's the yeah. thing. So, is there, what is the case for the Red Sox this year? You like the over. I agree with you there. But what's the case for them? To surprise. We know that Cora's done it in the past. Hey, a couple of years ago, they kind of came out of nowhere and made it to the American League Championship Series. How do the Red Sox surprise this year? 
All right. So the first thing is, if you look at the bullpen last year, basically it was in the lower third of every statistical category. I mean, you saw it a bunch when they played the Yankees. I mean, they were atrocious from a bullpen perspective. So they've upgraded there where they bring in Chris Martin, who doesn't walk anybody, Canley Jansen. I'm a little concerned about the pitch clock with him just because he's one of the slowest workers in Major League Baseball. But Schreiber was really good for them. So they're stable at the bullpen, which was an issue last year. I like the lineup. Now, Yoshida has been really good in spring training. I get it. It's just spring. But this guy, he doesn't strike out. He walks. And the thing that they've been surprised about, or maybe not surprised, he's hitting for power. So I thought this guy was a lock to be like the leadoff hitter based on his profile when they signed him. But Cora wants to hit him in the middle of the lineup. Like, you know, so like, does he have like a match? What is the comp? Are they comparing him at all to anybody? He's got like a match Suey vibe to him. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Like he doesn't you take have... that, man. Matsui was a damn oh yeah, good yeah. Oh, I, yeah. He's Matsui. No. I'm nervous. That's a oh problem. yeah. Well, I mean, that guy was he he as a Red Sox fan. That guy always scared me. I felt like he always hit the Red Sox well. He, like, did. he was the. I was always scared of that guy. I was never scared of Jeter. I was never scared of a Rod. I was scared of that guy because he always came up with big hits. But I think the big thing is he's going to hit for average. He's going to have a high on base percentage. But if he can hit for power. It totally changes this team because they were the Boston Red Sox were 20th in home runs last year. Think about that. So they need somebody to hit for power. I do like the addition of Turner as well. He's an upgrade in my mind over JD Martinez because he doesn't strike out and he hits right-handed pitching. Like he's been one of the best right-handed hitters against he's actually better against righties than he is lefties. The big thing is they need one of these guys, whether it's Duvall, Cassis, or maybe even Turner, to hit a ton of home runs because they need one of those guys to hit for power. And then the big question is the rotation, right? I mean, I've been saying this. It's like, hey, they have seven guys for five spots. Well, the reason they have that is because all these guys have injury histories, right? When we're talking about Paxton, when we're talking about Chris Sale, even Kluber to a lesser extent, who more is more of an innings eater at this particular point in time. Whitlock's coming back from surgery. He's not going to be ready for opening day. He's in the rotation. The young kid, Bayo, is an absolute stud. But again, he's a rookie. Why and is Tanner Whitlock Hulk in the rotation? Sorry to stop you there, Brian. He was so good in the bullpen. Why are they messing with him? Yeah, I mean, look, I understand the fact that there's nothing wrong with being Andrew Miller, right? Where you're an elite reliever that can give you multiple innings for years. But I don't really have an issue with this one, JJ, because... Like, if you go back to last year when he was in the rotation and he struggled, he wasn't built up to be a starter. So they go to Toronto, and remember the vaccine mandate there. Tanner Houck wasn't vaccinated. He can't pitch. So unfortunately, Rich Hill's father passed away, too. So they needed somebody to make a spot start, and he just went out there to pitch like two, three innings or so. Basically, an opener. Their problem was then they didn't put him back in the bullpen then. So he's trying to manipulate and maneuver through the lineup a second time when his pitch count's not even high enough yet, right? Like, so he's going three innings, he's going four innings. So it's just unfair to the guy. I think he's got the stuff and the mentality to be a starter. So if they think he can be a starter, I don't have an issue with it because you know this, he is an elite reliever. So if you come to the realization that, hey, maybe he's not a starter, then you can put him back in the bullpen eventually. So I don't really have an issue with that one. I actually think he's going to be good in this role. I just worry about the health of that rotation in general. And the health of the team. I mean, <laughs> a bunch of guys with even Duvall, right? Like they really need Duvall to be good because Kike is playing short now. The Red Sox defense in the outfield last year, because Kike missed a bunch of time, was shit. And Kike is a really good center fielder. And Duvall, two years ago, he wins the gold glove in the National League. Like he's a really good defensive player, but they need him for his defense and they need pop in terms of <laughs> they need him to hit somewhere between 25 and 30 bombs. Fired up for the start of the season. I, I feel like, Barrett, you're going to see a lot of me maybe in April, May, and June because maybe we get a Rangers-Bruins series. 
Maybe we get a Knicks Celtics series. You know we're going to get Yankees and Red Sox. So uh, don't be a stranger. We might be, uh, you know, swapping apartments, dude. You know, I got a couch. <laughs> you got a couch. Get the hotel and away you go, man. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be awesome, too, if we got, like, say, a Rangers-Bruins Sunday afternoon game and then a Yankees-Red Sox Sunday night baseball? You just do the whole day? I mean, that would be I mean, that would be something. Double dip. Brian Barrett, he's doing a fantastic job off the pike. Check that out. Uh, when you want to, you know, hey, listen, when the Celtics and the Bruins and the Red Sox and the Patriots got stuff going on. Seriously, Brian, keep up the good work, man. Pleasure to have you, all right? All right, JJ. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. All right, before we say goodbye, good stuff there from our uh, Boston extraordinaire. I love, by the way, that Ringer now has got Full go with Jason Goff. They got the Philly special with my guys. I mean, the cast of thousands, but Philly special. And Barrett doing off the pike. Like, it's great seeing the models, you know? We were the initial guinea pig. What can I say? What can I say? Um, Before we say goodbye, though, Jeff Money, you got some small conference Monday games to choose from. Or you got some NBA or NHL. I don't know where you're going. What do you got for me, Money? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks with me for Monday the 6th. I got two NBA plays. I'm going with my first one with the Cleveland Cavaliers, minus the two over the Boston Celtics. And I'm going to take the Sacramento Kings, minus the six, over the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, two plays in the NBA. I'm going to take the Cavaliers, minus the two, and the Kings, minus the six. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Now, I'm going to take Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I don't know anything about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I'm going to take them tomorrow. They're playing in one of the uh, small conference games, so I want to have a 930 beak. I'll probably get involved in the BYU-St. Mary's game. I've not decided what direction I'm going, though. I want to see how that market moves. And then the Gonzaga line, you just got to wait too much. I do want to mention this because they have the odds up now for the conference tournaments. And by the way, I, I hate saying this. We have Coach Pike on. Rutgers loses a buzzer beater to Minnesota on Thursday. They get smoked by Northwestern today. No bueno for Rutgers. I know Rutgers was a lock to make the NCAA tournament a week ago. A lock. Because I never in a million years thought they'd lose to Minnesota. Well, they do. Rutgers needs to win a game. They need to beat Michigan to feel safe on Selection Sunday. We don't have Big Ten odds yet. UConn's playing great. They had a favorite in the Big East at the Garden, plus 230. You got Marquette and Creighton at plus 300. Xavier, plus 650. And I'm telling you, Villanova is still live at plus 800. Now, I don't love him as much with Neptune on the sidelines. I like, but he's not Jay Wright. Getting Justin Moore back, big deal. Didn't like what I saw from Villanova against UConn though, the other day. That might be a coronation for Danny and company but I'm not playing a favorite. You can't play a favorite in these conference tournaments. I would circle Xavier and Villanova as two long shots there. And in the ACC, our guy, Coach O'Toole in Pittsburgh, are plus 1,100 to win the tournament. That is a disrespectful beat. Incredibly disrespectful. The problem is Pittsburgh would have to go through Duke and they would have to go through Miami. Not ideal. Duke right now is a four seed. If the beating Carolina, who stinks, by the way. North Carolina, unless they go to the ACC final, do not put them in the NCAA tournament. They are garbage. They lost to Duke the other day. 
I'm down on the Tar Heels because I threw 55 to 1 on them to win the title. What a mistake. Basically, flushed money right down the toilet. I want to root for Pittsburgh for Coach O'Toole. Miami at plus 350 is a great number because they're not losing away for Syracuse. I mean, there's just no way in the world that's going to happen. And they got guards, and I think they'll be motivated in the ACC tournament. I like Miami at 350. And if you're looking for value, Coach O'Toole, Jeff Capel, Pitt Panthers, 11-1. Probably a donation, but you know what? It is what it is. On Tuesday, I'll have more conference tournament peaks for the futures with House and Raheem. We'll have that on East Coast Bias. I'm going to be in the lab a lot over the next day or two. Keep the Nick fever going. The Nick fever is alive and well. We will be off New York, New York on Tuesday. Remember, I'm doing a gambling pod Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday. Now, if something happens NFL-wise, we'll be there. Don't you worry. And it might. So this is what you call a very fluid situation. Right now, we're talking on Thursday, Ring of Gambling on Tuesday, but you never know how this stuff may work out. On that note, good job by Stefan. We are back at some point this week. Guaranteed Thursday. Maybe earlier than that. Who knows? Stay down. Be good, everybody.